0: It's fitting that on National Popcorn Day, you'd have stocks popping higher. We see the S&P 500 reach an all-time high today. The bulls are running once again in 2024, but will they stay? Welcome everyone to Buy, Hold, Sell. I am your trader, Todd Schoenberger, and my partner and co-host, Tobin Smith, seems to be away on assignment. Who knows, he's missing an action. We're sending out a crew to find him. But regardless, we're going to have a show. Barbara Duran is our featured guest today. She is the CEO and CIO of BD8 Capital Partners. Barbara, welcome to the program. Ah, delighted to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. I got to say, you, you're back again the first time you were with us. Uh, it was a few weeks ago, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 weeks ago. You, were, you really called the market. You really saw how the stocks were going to end the year in 2023. Here we are in 24. I got to say, we it's kind of been a little bit of a ho-hum time. We missed the Santa Claus rally. Yet, this week alone, we see stocks are rising a little bit more. You had a big update today. Consumer sentiment looks solid. But what do you think, Barbara? Is this... But is this bull run going to stay for the time being?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, if you remember last year, at the beginning of 23, people were very pessimistic. There'd been so many calling for a recession for months before that. And they were sure in 23, we'd have that recession. Well, we know how that's played out. Inflation continued to come down, if haltingly. But you saw it at it was 6.5% in December of 22. And by year end 23, it was down to to 3.1%. So the the, uh, the pessimists were not well positioned. So I think there was a huge catch-up rally as we saw in the fourth quarter. And part of it, you just saw not only the mega cap stocks, which had the mega cap tech, which had been outperforming given how they were trashed the year before, and that was very painful because I own a lot of them, you know. But it was also you had um big breadth in terms of small cap, industrial, cyclicals. It was everything, and people thinking, oh, we've got the breadth trade that finally the markets going out. Well, coming into January, people no longer were thinking recession, the consensus has been soft landing. And I know I and I think a lot of investors expected to see a pullback, which would be totally normal after such a big run. And I expected in the mega cap tech names. Instead, what's happened, you saw. Small caps, the Russell 2000 gave up half its gains. You have not seen the rally broadening out. In fact, you saw the old leadership the tech names resurging and doing it again. Like I think Nvidia is already up 20% year to date. This is it's only incredible. three weeks into the new year. Yeah. So I think this has surprised everybody in terms of just the short-term market volatility. But I think what's happened, um, going into the new year, we thought, okay, that we we really feel confident the Fed is done hiking, given what we've seen with inflation, the economy's holding up. Then it was really the uncertainty. What's become uncertain is well, we thought maybe they would hike or they would cut rates quickly and starting in March. Well, the probabilities in March, the Fed Fund futures has gone down from 70 to 43%. And I still think, and I think that's way too high. I think it's going to be pushed out. And the reason is simple one, the Fed would cut if one would look like we were tanking and going to recession, horrible things were happening. That's clearly not happening. You know, two, you know, they would cut if we with the real rates were going to be too high and if they felt inflation was beat. Well, we're not sure inflation is licked yet, because if you're looking at economic strength, you know, we had, as you just mentioned, you know, consumer confidence numbers this morning were the best in decades or, or the best, yeah. not the best, but in percentage terms, the biggest jump in decades. You know, so you had expectations for inflation coming down both now and in the future. That's important because that affects spending decisions. You saw retail sales, you know, better than expected for December. Jobless claims last Thursday, which comes out weekly, they were less than expected. And and jobless claims are a leading indicator. You know, when you start to see that jump up, then you start to go, wow, we're really starting to roll over. You know, people are getting fired or laid off. So what I see is you see a pretty strong economy. It is moderating. But, you know, one thing I'm thinking about, Todd, and not a lot of people are talking about um, on the housing. You've seen what's happened in this, you know, rates peaked mortgage Mm -hmm. rates peaked at 8% um, in October Mm -hmm. and probably average 7% last year. Right now, as of last week, it was um, 6.6%. And you have seen a big perk up week to week in refi applications, Uh Um, new sales pending, all this sort of thing. And so if people start to, you know, to move into there, and I think they probably will, because when you start to see rates coming down, and you also see there's something like 10 trillion in untapped equity in people's homes that could be used. And you saw buyer intent up 10% in December. So if that starts, that has a huge ripple effect on the economy. So lots of strength coming. And so I think the inflation numbers are going to be key. PCE, the Fed's favorite inflation indicator next Friday, you know, will be will be important. But core PCE is averaging 1.9% the last six months. That means they've met their target in at least in one important way. Whoa. So we, we <laughs> might be this could be an incredible time. You know, inflation's it, being beat it, and it. we've still got an incredibly healthy economy.
0: Yeah, I have to agree yes, with you there. <laughs> There there you go. You are bullish. And that's wonderful to hear. I, I will say, and I do agree with you that it's great to be bullish. There are so many factors. That seem to show us that okay, you have inflation is coming down. It it isn't the you're right. The PCE might be at 1.9 in the last six months, but overall, when you start looking at that CPI number, which is the number that really is on the headline of the Wall Street Journal, and that's what investors are looking at. That's what Americans are looking at. But realistically, though. It doesn't seem like we're ever going to hit that 2% target, at least the year over year number 2%, because the Fed will actually start cutting rates before we even reach that level. Because if they wait till that level, let's be honest, it's probably going to be too late anyway. What are your thoughts on rate cuts? Because that is a big piece of this whole puzzle as far as keeping that bull run going.
1: Yeah, it, it really is true. And, you know, interesting, you mentioned the CPI last week because CPI was a little bit hotter than expected, although core was not. But, you know, the very next day you had the PPI, which is wholesale prices. And that right. is actually a better leading indicator than the, uh, the CPI because for obvious reasons, it's wholesale. What's going on in the chain before it gets to the consumer? So you may have an interesting, you know, Possibility that the uh, the Fed does not need to cut rates that much you know, and that the economy keeps chugging along, um, given wages and, you know, employers seem reluctant to let people go as quickly as they did in the past, given the pain that just went through in trying to find people. So I do think they're going to push off any cuts until second half of this year, although probabilities, people are giving a higher probability, like 80% in May, but they may just as insurance, depending what, and they are still, they keep saying data dependent, they are indeed. So if they start to see more things rolling over because you know we've had a ongoing recession in manufacturing those numbers are not improving you know housing is a problem because the um, so much, there's such a uh, shortage of existing homes for sale because people so many have three percent they're not going to pay six percent but once rates start to come down that will loosen up you know and that's going to really start the economy you know um, really an additional growth leg as I said in the economy so the um, you know we'll see if inflation starting to heat up as a result the Fed yeah. then would hold steady so I I'm not sure we're going to see big aggressive uh, rate cuts this year we will yeah, see think- likely but it's not looking like we will, given the current set of data we have, which can obviously change in a few months.
0: I I completely agree with you. I don't understand where people are thinking that it's an automatic conclusion that you're going to see rate cuts. I mean, the consensus just a couple of weeks ago was that March, we were going to see rate cuts, and it just doesn't make any sense especially with with the labor market being as healthy as it is. You mentioned jobless claims numbers are down. I mean, we still get that monthly jobs number that seems to be very healthy. And so when you see that, it's hard to understand why the Fed would actually start cutting rates. I will say this, if they do wait till the second half, then they're at risk of really looking like they're favoring the incumbent. And it is an election year. So it's it's interesting. I wonder what the discussions are because they can't talk about, they're not going to publicly say, talk about politics, but they're in Washington. Of course, they're talking about politics. So as a result, do they cut earlier or do they wait until after the election? I think that's where the real conundrum is in all of this because I'm certain that the Fed figured hey we were going to have such a slow economy with very limited job growth with the rate hikes that we saw we just haven't seen that uh so far so but i, I like your your conclusion though with that yeah. when you're talking to to your clients at bd8 i mean are they still we talk about and you, you touched on this the amount of money on the sidelines it's five trillion dollars sitting in money markets. Do you see your clients are they, are they asking you saying, okay, should we deploy this money? Are they really trying to get in it like they're that FOMO trade where they have to be involved?
1: Well, that's always the, the, the key thing if you start to see FOMO, but no my, you know there's still PTSD from 22, you know I mean that's okay. when neither stocks nor bonds you know perform particularly well and particularly if you're in, in growth names like I invest in because that's it, over the long run, I believe the, the way to create true wealth. But so now I have clients still PTSD, you know, and uh, and don't want to go chasing things. But we are still primarily in stocks. And there's some cash accounts that, you know, we're getting our 5.3 percent yield, whether it's through a money market fund or short term treasuries. And I think that's also a question in terms of, you know, it's it's actually, I think, closer to six trillion of money market funds and um, that it was five trillion a year, you know, a year ago. So you do have money that can roll in. And I think some of that would go to longer duration um, fixed income. You know because that's you want to lock in rates before they come down, um, you know, dramatically. And also some will go into equities because there will, and I think that's what you saw at your end, a lot of people rushing to get position because you know, you want to show that you own, you know, some of these great names. So, but you know, I wanted to you know, get back to your you had mentioned this point about um the election coming up. As far mm-hmm. as I mean, whoever knows what's going on behind the, you know, the curtain, but this Fed, and I think the Fed um, chiefs in general have tried to be as apolitical as possible, right? I agree. Um yeah. And I think that Powell has demonstrated an amazing amount of integrity. There's also all the Fed presidents in the different regions are allowed to speak their mind. They they're not speaking just, you know, the company line. They give their honest and, and opinions and they're all varied. And the message, though, has been, number one, they are committed to fighting inflation. That's why I think, you know, they are not going to lower cut rates anytime soon, meaning in this first half. Because they do not want to blow that inflation, but at the same time, I've heard them all along be very aware that it's a dual mandate. You know, jobs. We want to make sure Americans are employed. So right now, they're, you know, and people ask, is there still the lagged effect from last year's hikes? doesn't look like it i mean Mm -hmm. you know who really knows but i think that um the fed will you know continue to go cautiously and if they need to cut rates because it's looking like that balance you know is first off it may be that things continue as they are good growth inflation coming down and then at a certain point as you just said you do want to cut rates the real rates then would be you know, if they, they got down to their target rate 2% and the Fed fund rates were still five and a quarter, that's 300, <laughs> you know, basis yeah. points of real restrictive monetary policy. And that would start to bite at some point. Yeah. So I think exactly. if that, that would be a good reason to have to cut, you know, Um. so that, but we'll see. I think the PCE and the inflation data in the next few months is going to be really important if it sort of stalls out. You know, we saw it last year. There was sometimes like we had last week, a little blip up you know, and yeah. then it would continue. It was like, you know, this. So, you know, I think that's will determine. I think it's hard to know right now, you know, how okay. the I, mean, I don't think they would keep the election in mind. If anything, they'd want to avoid the appearance. But in the end, they would, I think, decide to do the right thing as they. Well, see
0: that's the tricky thing. I mean, yeah. you're absolutely right. They need to stay away from any any hint that they are doing anything on behalf of, of a presidential candidate. And yes, if they start cutting rates, the, I mean, markets would just soar. And then you'd have the wealth impact and all of this stuff. And that really will help. As you know, Barbara, people do yeah. vote with their wallets. So yeah. they, um, yeah. that would well, be that something.
1: Was, wasn't that interesting, Todd, this morning, though, what you're seeing? And there was even an article in the Wall Street Journal about people are finally feeling more confident in the economy. Cause I, you know, it takes again, this PTSD thing, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. COVID being in lockdown and all that had long lasting effects. And I think it takes a while, much longer than we thought, you know, to unwind those emotional effects and really get back to normal. But there's yeah. also an interesting thing that in um, 16 of the last 16 presidential um, cycles, meaning the pre- year of the election, the market was always up 16 for 16. Wow. So, you That's know, great. Yeah. So hopefully this will, you know, for the investors amongst us, you know, that will continue to be true. But I, I think it will. I think it will. Well,
0: yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, a lot of the strategists that we've had on lately have really talked about how this is an election year. History points out that when you have an incumbent trying for reelection, it definitely helps the markets. But well, uh, time will tell and we'll we'll see what happens. So let's leave it on that block right now. Because I have to ask you, and I and I'm guessing I mean, our search crew, what I understand, they're still looking for Toby. I'm gonna guess that he probably went away for the weekend. He's probably traveling somewhere. So I need to ask you about travel and leisure stocks. I gotta get your opinion <laughs> there when we come oh. back. So, so with us today is Barbara Durant. She is the CEO and CIO of BB8 Capital Partners, and we'll be right back after the break. Please stay with us.
1: Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management.
0: Get ready for a revolution in business podcasting with the Weekly Money Clip. This game-changing podcast is brought to you by Crosscheck Media and Center Clip, and it's set to redefine how you think about money. Featuring a countdown of top business audio segments... Each episode is packed with authentic and original commentary from over 50 independent contributors. Join us for a comprehensive exploration of money-related topics, where expert insights meet individual experiences in a 30-minute powerhouse of financial wisdom. Available on the Evergreen Podcast Network and all popular podcast platforms, the Weekly Money Clip is easily accessible to anyone interested in business and finance discussion. Don't miss out on this fusion of creativity, expertise, and innovation. Subscribe now and be part of the financial revolution with the weekly money clip. Your financial future starts here.
1: Hi, it's Nicole Middendorf, CEO of Profit for Wealth Financial. You are listening to Tobin and Todd on Buy, Hold,
0: Sell. Welcome back to Buy, Hold, Sell. Well, still no word about Toby, so we're just going to let him go and not even worry about him because we're just going to assume he is traveling and having a wonderful time because he is missing his assignment on this show. But that's a whole other story. But with me today on this one-on-one interview is Barbara Duran. She is the CEO and CIO of BD8 Capital Partners. Barbara, you have been on the news. You're on CNBC Weekly everybody's talking about you because you have so many great stocks, so many great picks that you share with your clients. I got to ask you about travel and leisure though. What do you think? Because here we are, we're going into the spring months. You got spring break. You got summertime coming up. Everybody wants to get away and get out of the cold. What's your thoughts though on that sector?
1: Well, it's interesting, Todd. It's been a great sector, whether it's um, in the hotels or cruise lines um, it's been super this last year um, and airlines airlines is more problematic because they're much more susceptible to um, cyclicality like an oil prices but i think the cycle has more to go there's still a lot of pent-up demand and if you talk to any of the operators in any of the categories they still see very strong demand i however i think at some point this demand is going to normalize And I had sold at the end of of last year, you know, a month ago, I have positions (laughs) in Expedia and Airbnb that I'd held. And Expedia I bought last year because it is a competitor to Booking.com, which is a great name, which I also own, but it was half the PE. And for good reasons, their growth rate was half of it, but they had all these initiatives in terms of marketing and getting things organized on the same platform. So there was a sort of one of these self-help stories. But I had a double in the name. I looked into this year, and even with the Fed, the anticipation of the fed um being done um hiking rates and probably cutting at some point this year, I thought that travel is gonna normalize, and I didn't want to be you know caught in like um. Oh gosh, Peloton or Zoom. You know, Zoom I had owned and unfortunately wrote it down a little bit after the uh, pandemic and gave back some of the gains, you know, not all. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to be careful here. So I sold probably half my positions in Expedia and Airbnb, great names that they are, because they both, from when I bought them, had doubled. So I still own some of them. But I think this is where it's that whole, um, question of risk management when positions get too big or you anticipate a possible change but you still think there's more to go what do you do often you right. just boost position sizes so i think if you're in these names you know you can stay long but i think you should start to trim positions because you know the travel demand will start to normalize at some point i think yeah, probably
0: I, this year i would think it would i mean right i mean we we've been hearing the studies that you have a lot of people that are the business the corporations are telling their their people look you can have the hybrid model but the majority of the time you got to be in the office plus you have travel that's going to be happening so uh so and i can see though especially with industry conferences really ramping up this year um but i have to ask you though with the airlines Uh, As you know, there's the Boeing 737, the Alaska Airlines flight that took off from Portland, Oregon. It reached uh, 16,000 feet and then had the blowout on the side because of the faulty plug. What are your thoughts on Boeing? Because that stock Mm -hmm. got crushed once that news came out.
1: Yeah. And, you know, frankly, I had owned Boeing from a couple of years ago, thinking that once the 737 Max, all the stuff from the accidents, they'd done a lot of damage control. I thought the stock was cheap and it just was way too early. As you know, they kept having one misstep after another. And I finally kicked out, you know, most of it um, sometime last year. Well, then, of course, is when they finally started to get their act together. You saw China recertify. They started to execute better and it looked like, um, and I was watching it run up, going, run up, going. Hmm, I should have been a little more patient because the cash flow. Um, they're looking at cash flow of about ten billion estimated for the twenty five twenty six time frame. Well, of course, then we have this door blow off, you know, on the a couple of weeks ago or more than that at this point, yeah. And which really sent the stock down, you know, to about two thirty at first, and people thought, okay, we'll see. This might be a one off, and then of course, you know, the hounds, you know, saw blood in the water, you know, and just, you know, jumped on it. And so there's more delays when the um, the FDA said they are not the FDA, but the FC. Which one is it? Yes, thank you. The FAA. (laughs) One of them. Yeah, yeah, one of them. One of the Fs. Anyway, that they would uh, do even more thorough inspection, I think people just ran for the hills. And so the stock got down to 200. And I thought, okay, even though we don't know how extensive it will be, it's not going to derail. The stock was off 23% from its its high at the start of the year. So at that point, you go more than, it is more than discounting whatever bad news lies ahead. So I think there was a good buying opportunity in there. Now, you know, I think what's going to happen, you'll probably find, in it, but it would just be a guess that it's not a, system, a deep systemic issue that's going to ground all their planes forever and all that sort of thing. So it probably still is a buying opportunity, but that uncertainty will keep the stock under some pressure. But I do expect it, you know, it's probably going to be good news and working its way back up, you know, probably should get back to at least 225, 230. And then depending, um, once w- people can analyze the extent of the damages um, in terms of long-term grounding, it could get back to its its high and go even even higher.
0: Yeah, that'd be a, That'd be a really nice gain of maybe fifteen percent off of these current well, value yeah. values. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I will say, with with Boeing, the question would be whether you have these these companies that go out and lease these planes, and they're the ones that are actually buying the planes. If they start switching and saying, you know what, forget Boeing, we're not going there, we're going to Airbus, then you that's, that's a reason for concern. But I think you're right, though. There's so many contracts, and these contracts, especially on the Defense Department side, they're years out. So a lot of these deliverables that are going to be happening will be going on for, for many years, and that can only help their their stock overall. So hopefully this is just a one-off. I mean, thank goodness the plane wasn't at that cruising uh, oh the, my you know, gosh. altitude yes. of 40,000 feet. It definitely would have had loss of life then. But uh, but with that, it, hopefully they they did solve the problem and fixed everything, and and we'll see how that goes from there. Um, so so with that, so you guys, so that's on the travel and leisure side. I am a big fan of the hotels. I love Hyatt, Marriott. I think those are your go tos. Um, they almost like an Exxon for oil I mean if you're thinking of companies just want to buy them hold them put them away like baseball cards and then you know reinvest the dividends do the Charlie Munger way and you should be okay but what about other sectors though are you or other other industries other stocks I know you mentioned Starbucks uh, on on CNBC it was enough for me to go and make a Starbucks coffee and so I have to ask, I mean, what makes you like this stock so much?
1: Uh, we know I've I've it's been a core holding um for my accounts for a while, but some have been a little bit underweight. And I've been waiting to see because I I really started buying it when it, you can see all the initiatives that they're doing. You know, um Howard Schultz retired and I felt and I think he retired, he'd been called back into action because he felt that the company was in good shape and being in good hands. And they've had a number of of really positive initiatives, initiatives in terms of introducing food and innovative drinks and having um custom ordering remotely so you can just come up and pick and not have to wait 10 minutes for some barista to make you coffee and drive-throughs. In fact, new Starbucks that they're opening and they have a very aggressive um, store opening plan, you know, will have drive-through, almost all of them. And they also had a big um, China plan, you know, because China was not so much coffee drinkers as tea drinkers, but that has really changed. And so, you know, you know what happened with the the Chinese lockdown was so long and it was a while bouncing back and they had a very promising restart when things opened up but it's been a little bit disappointing um, since then. And that's China has some deep macro um, economic issues, but the government is not sitting there twiddling their thumbs. They're obviously going to be doing a number of um, uh, efforts to stimulate the economy, and that should help Starbucks. And so I think at this point, when you look at their valuation- Um, and what the earnings projections are, which is maybe 15%, you know, for the next two, three years and beyond, given a combination of new products, store openings and all the things just talked about, but it's also at the low end of its forward PE range. It's about a, it's just under 24. It's typically been, if you look at the last five years, as high as 36. So it's been somewhere, the average has been around 30. So I think the risk reward here is very attractive. And I think it's the type of name that as we get into the year and people are looking, you know, where do we find, you know, um, uh, attractive risk reward situations. I think Starbucks, you know, any bad news or uncertainty is already discounting the stock and there's real upside should things start to turn and you'll start to see same-store sales improve and that sort of thing. So that's why i'm a, I'm a fan and I've been adding to my positions and bringing them up to full weighting now.
0: yeah, i I'm a fan as well, and um not just because I drink coffee all the time, but um, but I do say I will say that, the food side is great. I mean, obviously, their their coffee margins are, I mean, I'm probably pushing 30%, 40%. They're almost like the apple of coffee uh, coffee companies. But when you look at the at-home uh, items, they these, I'm not sure if you have one, they're called Nespresso machines. You can't go to a store and find these Nespressos, and Starbucks has cornered the market. You can't find a non-Starbucks capsule. I guess you could go directly to Nespresso. But for the most part, Starbucks has those. And they're, they're crazy expensive. So I would imagine that the margins there are probably 30 to 40%. And they are just selling off the shelves. So I see that as a big thing. The other side of it is their collaboration with Target. They are a store within the store. And yet they have Target employees that have to go and hand deliver. They actually... Just like a drive up you, you if you buy a vacuum cleaner, you can have a latte. Walk somebody can walk it out to you, and tar, and and uh, Starbucks doesn't have to pay for that labor. I mean, it's an incredible service, and it's only it's only meaningful to their bottom line. So I have to say that is definitely a winner. Um, not just this year, I think beyond I mean, because nobody's ever been able to, to counter them anyway. So I like that one. What other stocks are you looking at? What I mean, tell me because I mean we got we got the whole year, and I know our audience. You know they're 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 foaming at the mouth. They want to know, <laughs> hey, what do I invest in now? But well, exactly. what are, what else do you like?
1: Well, you know, I mean, it is goes without saying, NVIDIA, you know, and people go, oh, it was up 240% last year. It's already up 20% year to date. It has so much more to run, Todd, because yeah. earnings will keep coming up. You saw the meta news, you know, yesterday talking about how many CPUs they are buying from them. I, I mean, just meta alone is huge. And we are still in some the early innings of implementation of AI. And if you heard some of the reports from Davos, you know, there'd be a room of 100 CEOs. They were asked, well, how many of you are, you know, aware of uh, AI, you know, 100%, of course. And how many of you are gonna be implementing this year? 65% are already moving forward. And we haven't even begun to see the applet, the applications and the tools and the things that will be dreamt up to make use of AI. So, you know, and that's why look, well, oh, that you know, that ties into Apple, you know, because Apple's been very controversial this year because oh, they're you know, their handsets are slowing down, da-da-da-da. And so you've had two, a couple downgrades on the street, somebody, I think two people upgraded in the last few days. And for me, it's a it's a clear buy. You know, the the stock had sold off. It's one of those core holdings. And it's a couple reasons, you know. One, um, when they talked about the handset market slowing or the handset slowing for them, well, that's temporary because you're going to have AI integrated, you're going to have new uses, and we're also heading into the replacement cycle, you know, for the for hand uh, handsets. So I think that should help. And the most important thing was probably the increasing percentage of revenues from services, and services is hugely huge high margin business, and that's gone from 15% of revenues five years ago, it's now 22% and climbing. And, you know, it's the the ecosystem. I don't know about you, Todd, but, you know, I had bought an iPhone some, you know, some years ago. Then I was like, you know, it would be nice to have the computer and everything coordinated. So I made the incredibly painful transition from Windows to Mac. And then, of course, I now have my Apple Watch, you know, right. because of exercise and all the health benefits, which will continue to increase, and so and you know people people are loyal, and there's two billion devices out there, so Apple yeah. ain't going away. And as you know, they generate huge cash flow that they return to shareholders, and that's not going away. So I just think it's it deserves a high PE. You know, no, no matter what's happening with handsets in any given period of time, there's going to be lumpiness. You know, in that it just. You know, goes with the territory. But, yeah, yeah. No, I,
0: I do definitely agree with you on that one. And we had Dan Ives on Buy, Hold, Sell not too long ago. And he did talk about how in 2023, the you'd have uh, a number of S&P 500 companies that really had 1% of their annual budget devoted to AI. Now the number is close to 10%. So when you start seeing those budgets, that type of increase, uh, that type of commitment to AI just on the corporate space, we haven't even talked about on the individual space. That's a whole other avenue right there. So I do agree. NVIDIA is definitely going to be the winner, not just this year, probably for many, many years, especially with their growth rate. It's just so eye-popping. So um, And and Apple, you can't go wrong with Apple. I mean- People don't wait out in line all night long for a Samsung product, but they do for an Apple (laughs) product. So that tells me that's the stock you want to own.
1: (laughs) Yes, you're not kidding. So, and then it's not, you know, these names are not undiscovered, but, you know, people say, oh, it's a crowded space, but you have so much more to come in terms of earnings. Like Palo Alto is also a core holding. And that's, as we know, is the cybersecurity play. And we also know what's happening in cybersecurity. It is going to be a huge, long tailwind in the secular space. And they've got, they are number one, they've got the platform with best in class, you know, different security products on it. And big enterprises are moving. They want to consolidate. They don't want something from this person that, that doesn't talk to each other. And so they are just gaining share and they still have a minimal share. I mean, it's a very fragmented market. So they've got growth per, oh my gosh, for the foreseeable future. So that is also another one. You know, you look at where it's come from and the PE, but it will continue to outperform.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I know the audience does as well. So Barbara, we're going to leave it there. We we have a lot to look forward to this weekend. Uh, My Ravens are playing. So go Ravens. We root for the Ravens. (laughs) And uh, see what happens. And uh, hopefully uh, when we come back for Buy, Hold, Sell next week, uh, I'll be smiling. So we'll see. And I'm sure Toby <laughs> will come much. back with a nice tan. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Barbara, how can how can the audience reach you?
1: Um, well, they can call or write, you know, my cell phone number. Should I give that out? You know? No, don't
0: do that. No. But I'll tell you what, what's your website? I address? do have it's a URA. website.
1: I do have a website. That's probably the best way. Um, BD8Cap.com.
0: BD8cap.com. And we will have that in this in the description as well for yeah. everyone. We, you
1: know what? I should check that. You know, I don't even know my
0: own website. Let me see. Can oh I'll my goodness. Well, you're so busy as a CEO and CIO. You're wearing two hats. There's a lot to go <laughs> on there. So uh I can just understand tell them to plug you. in
1: plug in BD8 Capital Partners and they'll find it.
0: So BD8 Capital Partners, Google that. <laughs> I'll also look it up and I'll put it in the description. <laughs> definitely encourage the audience to go talk to Barbara. She is very wise. She's not on national TV for nothing. She definitely knows her stuff. So Todd. Barbara, I got to thank you for joining me on Buy, Hold, Sell, And next yeah, time, we'll, hopefully, we'll have Toby with us as well.
1: Little bait and switch there. Where's Toby? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I right. loved it. I'm I glad
1: to have you all to myself, Todd. Thank you so oh, much. Oh,
0: fantastic. That's awesome. So on behalf of Barbara Duran, I am Todd Schoenberger. Missing Toby Smith today, but thanks once again. And please join us next week when buy, hold, sell. We have Sylvia Jablonski, CEO of Defiance ETFs, will be coming back to the show. And you definitely don't want to miss what she has to say. She has some great products that are just hitting the market, actually, over the next couple of weeks. But we'll get into that later on. Everybody, have a great weekend, and go Ravens. Take care now.
1: Buy, hold, sell, brought to you by Crosscheck Management.
0: Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called